listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 1 and the ushers are coming forward with Bibles as well as with some handouts that a handout that hopefully you received on the way in if you didn't get one of these handouts there's some blanks in there to fill in also if you need a pen they have pens with them just hold up your hand tell them what you need and they will provide you with one of these it's important that um, that you have this in hand so that you can follow along and take notes and and uh, get busy on this and so encourage you to be writing stuff down today this is this is of real importance in, in our lives and, and just a practical way how we can live out the Word of God. A few, about once a month or so, every five or six weeks, we have the Harvest Kids in our service with us. And so a few weeks ago, one of the Harvest Kids boys, I believe he's 10 years old, look at the notes he took on a Sunday morning. Look at that. Like, that is just amazing. Little Jacob did this, you know, and, and he even says, it is impossible to follow Christ unless you abide in him. And he gets this, and, it, and it's, it's so good. And, and then even at the bottom, it says, there's no perfect church. We are all sinners. And there are 59 one another statements in the New Testament. He's taken notes. He was listening. And so I encourage you to do the same thing, to be listening to the word of God, writing things down, filling in the blanks as we, we go through this today. And, um, and, and also, so uh, all of this information is also found on our website. Um, partways through the week, it will be uploaded there. And, and if you miss something here, you can, can do it. But encourage you to be following um, along with us here today. Mark chapter 1, we're going to be looking at that in a moment. But the video that we just watched is a visual way of illustrating what we are desiring to establish here at Harvest Kelowna in our lives personally and for us as a church. Really clarifying what does a faithful follower of Jesus Christ look like? If we were to ask that question, you'd probably get a lot of different responses. So we want to zero it in. We want to kind of nail it down. And, and really be able to, to craft this as a statement, not just as a church, but in our lives, that we would see that, that our lives are, are valuable and important and, and that we don't want to waste this one life that we get. We want to maximize it the most that we can. And so we're looking at what it does, what describes a faithful follower of Christ. And then we can look at God's word in that light and then apply our lives and live it out in, in, in the way that, that we are led to um, uh, through the word of God and by his spirit in our lives. And we've been saying that the life of a Christ follower revolves around three relationships. And we have the abide that, that we've looked, like, we looked at. And we've looked at these, these three statements uh, that we abide in Christ. That, that the Christian life isn't just a bunch of rules and do's and don'ts. It is a relationship. And it's where Christ lives his life through us. And we live our lives in the overflow of his life in us. And, and, and that's what we're going to be talking about a little further today. But it's also about connecting and it's also about sharing. And we connect with one another. We need to connect with fellow believers in Christ on a, on a weekly basis that we're committing to, to learn together and grow together and challenge one another. Scripture's full of challenges in that way and, and commands for us to, to do that. And then also uh, that we share. We don't hoard our faith, but we're going to share we're going to build into the lives of others, making disciples, reaching lost people, and, and being on a mission, joining the mission of God, sharing that mission with him. And now, as we're doing kind of a shift, we've looked at these three relationships, and now the next five weeks, Lord willing, will be the practical outflow of how we do this, how we get after this in our lives. And today we're going to, um, uh, to dig into this in one of these utmost important priority, supremely important areas in our lives. Now, all of us would say, in order to, to have a relate, an abiding relationship, a connecting relationship, a sharing relationship with others, it's going to take one thing, which is a big thing, and it's going to take time, right? Any relationship that you are going to have with anyone that has any value, any substance, it's going to demand time, and I, I just think back to the days that Charlotte and I were first interested in each other and dating each other and just how we wanted to spend time together. And, and so we would spend as much time together as we could. As I was a, a youth pastor in Saskatoon. She was a university student. And, and, and much of our time was spent on a telephone talking to each other into the wee hours of the morning. You know, one of those things attached to a wall with a cord? You know, like that, that was the kind of phone that we 
we were connected to with one another and, and we spent all of that time together, why we were wanting to get to know one another and any quality relationship that you have will take an investment of time. And in even the summer that she was away, she was in Calgary, I was in Saskatoon, we would wait till 12.01 because that was when cheap calling would kick in and we would talk for an hour. We'd be so groggy and tired in the morning, but it didn't matter. We were talking to one another, finding about the day and, and, and just like, I love you, okay, you hang up first, no, I hang up first, you know, and all that, that ooshy-gushy kind of things that, that you do because you want to spend time. And even now, 20-some years later, if our relationship is going to happen, have health and stability, it's going to take time. And so any relationship takes time. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to see how we can carve out time for all of these different um, key words that we've been talking about. And today is so important as we take a look at God time. God time is, is where everything flows out from. And this is the most important, top of the list, high priority. Miss this, you miss it all. Miss this, and the others don't make sense. Miss this, and you have no power. You have no strength, no vitality in, in, in your life. Miss this, and you miss the, the reason why God saved us and why he, 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 he calls us to be into his family so that we can not get busy and do gather and group and give and go time, Primarily, supremely, it's so we would abide with him, spend time with him, quality time with God. And everything God desires to do through my life, he will do out of the overflow of my relationship with him. Remember when we talked a few weeks ago about the vine and the branches? That the fruitfulness, the life of the vine comes through that connection that it has, that the branch has with the vine. Don't have that connection, you're not going to have life. You're not going to have fruit. Same thing when it comes to our lives with, in our relationship with God. If we want a life of fruitfulness, one that is a blessing, one that is full of vibrancy and real power and real strength and real joy and real peace and real purpose, it comes through abiding through this abide time, spending time with God. And so this morning, best person to look at for this, where we get to see this, is the life of Jesus Christ. And we get such a beautiful snapshot of this here in Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, have your Bibles open. We're going to be looking at this. You've got to see some of the stuff here on the page just to make sure that you know that I'm not making this stuff. This is in God's Word, and it's speaking to us Today, as we look at the life of Christ, there's a solid message in his word. You open his word, there's a message for you from the word of God. It's not just some empty, dry book. It is the very living, active word of God. And that's why we tell you, open your Bibles or get that glow going on your, on, on your distraction device that you, I mean, your, your phone device or whatever you might have, all right? Uh, make sure it's in airplane mode so that you're not tempted to look up Facebook, Instagram, or check the weather or anything like that. You know, uh, this is God time, and let's, let's really dig into this here. And so, Mark chapter 1, we get a day in the life of Jesus. It's just a beautiful, read the chapter this week, encourage you to do it. We're, we're going to cover off a portion of it, but there's some stuff that happens before and some stuff that happens after. After the part that we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be picking it up in, in verse 21. Jesus has just called four of his 12 disciples. And so now in verse 21 it says, And they went to Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as someone who had authority. And not as the scribes. And immediately, I love the, the urgency, come on, let's go, let's get after this, come on, let's go. And, and, and this is the way that, that we see that Jesus lived his life with a sense of, ur of urgency. And in verse 23, and immediately there was in their synagogues a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. 
Of course it's going to spread. This is amazing what's taking place. Jesus taught with authority. Even the evil spirits recognized him for who he was. <laughs> the religious teachers didn't recognize him for who he was. The demons did. And look at the way the demon even said, you are the Holy One of God. He recognized him as the Son of God. And they were amazed. He had such authority. And I love all the A words in here. Authority. They were astonished. They were amazed. The way he spoke, the way that he had authority over the demonic world. And then verse 29, then it goes, and love, listen. And immediately, you know, so church is over. He's, he's gathered together on this Sabbath in the synagogue, time of teaching, time of worship. And he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. Now this, this wasn't just a slight fever. What, what we see here in the original is that, that this, this was a major, this is a knock-you-down-flat, out-cold, not just, oh, I feel a little chill. You know, not that kind of thing. This is knock-you-out, flat-out, down-with-a-fever, you know, sort of thing. And so they tell Jesus about it. And, and, and what does Jesus do? She has this fever... And as we see, um, she has this fever. They tell Jesus, and, and, and it says in verse 31, And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve him. Boom, immediately. You know when our fever breaks, when you have a fever and you sense that it breaks, it, it, it takes a few days to get replenished, right? No, Jesus' touch, immediate. Like, boom, she's healed. And what does she do? She starts making dinner. Healed to serve. When Christ touches your life, when he touches our heart, when he heals us, we're healed to serve. Beautiful sermon within a sermon right in here in this passage here. She is overwhelmed. She is th- she's able to do what she's able, wants to do, is serve. And she serves Jesus and she serves this meal. Love it. Love, love what we see here. And then um, verse 32. That evening at sundown, they brought him... Uh, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Okay, notice it's at sundown. So, so Sunday or, or, or Sabbath day, they're Saturday. Uh, Jesus is in the synagogue. He's teaching. They have this time of worship. He goes home for roast beef. You know, isn't that usually what you do Sunday? At least that's when, when we grew up. It was roast beef, mashed potatoes, and gravy after church. Goes home for this meal. Mother-in-law sick. Heals her, eating this wonderful meal together, just reclining, taking it easy, talking about what happened there perhaps in the synagogue that day. And then all of a sudden sundown happens and the, 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 they start knocking on the door. And it says the city comes and, and, and the sick and, and, and the demon possessed come. And this long lineup would have formed. It would be an amazing picture. You know, the, when we take a look at it, sometimes you get pictures of crowds of people um, lining up for something like Black Friday or, 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 or Boxing Day sales or for a concert, and they, they're like, look at this long lineup, or to go to a political campaign rally or something like that. You see this long lineup of people. Can you imagine? This, this would be great video to check out in heaven one day, is to see this lineup in front of P, uh, Simon Peter's house of, of all of these sick and, and, and demonized people that are there coming for touch. Why at night? Why did it say at, at sundown at dark? Well, it was a mainly, it was a Jewish audience. It was a Jewish crowd there. And for them, there were certain Sabbath rules that they were to follow as far as how much uh, it was a day of rest and how much you could walk. And, and, and uh, you know, just, just there were certain restrictions. And, and plus, they probably didn't want the rabbi, they didn't want this Jesus to do a lot of extra work on the Sabbath. But soon as sundown comes, and, and just even some of the reading I was doing this week, it's kind of fascinating that, you know, when sundown, when, when is actual time that it's sundown time? You know, they didn't have clocks like we have today, you know, and, and they didn't have all the different things. Well, the rule of thumb that they went by, even used today, this is so cool, is three stars. They would wait until they, you know, sun goes down and it's just like, as soon as there's three stars in the, in the night sky, boom, sundown, let's go to Jesus. And, and so they're lining up outside of, of Peter's house here, and, and, and it, it just continues on. Like, love this. Verse 33, it says, And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons, and, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Like, what a scene this is. This lineup of people. Sick, demon-possessed, lining up to get a touch from Jesus. 
This past week, we spent some time in the ER with our son, Nate. He had a little, um, little fracture incident uh, on the ski hill at Big White this past week. And, and so, uh, spent some time in the ER and uh, in, in the waiting rooms there. And it, it's just amazing to me seeing the lineups of people. Seeing the lineups of, of people who, you can just tell, they're sick. They're not well. Some of them are coughing all, you know, coughing up a lung. Others are coming in, like our son Nate, with this arm kind of just hanging there, and any kind of movement would, would hurt. Or you see people in stretchers, and, and you see these waiting rooms. As we were going around to x-rays, you would see this waiting room just full of people, and every time somebody walked by, they'd all look, because they're just like, maybe they're going to call me. Maybe I'm next, you know, and they're waiting in lineup. And then around the hallway where we're walking, there's these, these, these stretchers, these beds, uh, hospital beds with, with sick people on it, you know, and, and one of the things, these sick people, they're going to the hospital, and they're getting a touch, but they're not. I mean, very few of them are walking and leaping and, and fully, totally healed when they exit the hospital. When they exited this time with Jesus, they were healed. Could you imagine the joy, the excitement, the, whoa, I can walk, or the blind, I can see, the deaf, I can hear, and, and it's just like, Go tell so-and-so. And so they're racing down on fresh legs, on these new legs. Go tell them. Get them here to Jesus. This is amazing what is going on here. And so the people come to Jesus. What a day. People on crutches are able to walk. What a scene. What, what a time of rejoicing this would have been. And now, not every day was like this for Jesus, but many days were like this for, Je for Jesus and his disciples. And this is why at the end of John's gospel, at the very end, you even see that, that, that John even wrote, if all that Jesus had done was written down in books here on earth, the earth couldn't even contain all that Jesus did. Why? Because he touched many lives in this way. And so we get an understanding of the busyness about the life of Christ. From this point on, he would be chased. He would be followed. People would be coming to him. It would be a life of ministry, a pouring out of himself. He would be tired. He would be weary from this, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. I don't know when, when, when if you're involved in spiritual work, in counseling or, or dealing in a difficult situation or, or, or even a, a tough physical situation, you're wiped and you're worn out by the end of the day. It's just like, oh, it just feels like the power has come out of me. And, and we even see that at times with Jesus, that, that people would even touch him. And he's like, who touched me? Because he sensed the power come out of him. Well, here Jesus, fully human, fully God, needed to be replenished, needed to be strengthened. How does he get that? Where does it come from? From a good night's rest? Taking a day off? Those things are helpful. Now, this would have been a night that I'm sure Jesus and his, his four disciples were kind of like, wow, we're going to sleep good tonight once they hit the hay. Maybe it was after midnight. We don't know. And so Monday morning or Sunday morning on, on their calendar, it would have been a really good day to take a day off, sleep in, have a late brunch. You know, mother-in-law is feeling good. She can be making a, you know, a late brunch for, for, for us before we begin our day. And, and what happens? Verse 35. Here we find the source of Jesus' strength, the source that he lived his life by. And this insight comes to us the next morning, verse 35, and it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. There's so much, right, in, those, in that one verse, in these words here. In this passage, folks, the Holy Spirit wants us to see the source of Jesus' power about how he lived his life here on this earth, how he lived in the overflow of his time spent with his heavenly Father in dependency upon him. Now Jesus, God in the flesh, laid aside his privileges as God and he modeled for us what this dependency is to look like and how we can have this same dependency on God, our Heavenly Father. If Jesus, God in the flesh, needed to be renewed and spend time daily in this way with his Heavenly Father, how much more do we need to have this God time in our lives? 
And so oftentimes, this is the first thing to go in the course of a busy day. This week, I heard a sobering statistic from Lifeway, which is uh, a Christian resource center and, and publishing and, and that. And, and I read, um, read of this survey that 81% of people who, who go to church on a regular basis, who would call themselves Christians, 81% do not read the Bible on a daily basis. 81%. You know what? At times I've been part of that 81. Have you? I wonder what those stats would be like in here. How many of us are not utilizing one of the primary ways that we are to connect with God? And you know why this 81% percentage is high? Is because I believe there's often many misconceptions and bad teaching and misguided understanding about what this time ought to look like. We can perhaps view our time with God, our God time as a race. Read a chapter, just get through a chapter. You know what? Uh, stick to my reading plan. Got to stick to this reading plan so I get the check mark at the end of reading it. And, 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 and there, check it off. God time, finish for, for today. Good for me, whether that's in the middle of the day, early in the morning, late at night, whenever you fit it in. Is that the God time we're talking about? That's good time, but is that the God time we're getting at here today? No, it's not. For some, it's a ritual. You're in the Bible every day. It's been years. Every day you're in the Bible. But it's become a routine. You've gone, you, you pray through a list. You read a certain thing. And yet there's no life. It's just going through the spiritual motions. There's no passion. There's no intimacy. You're not hearing from God. You're reading and you're wanting to apply things, but, but it just kind of seems devoid of power. And, or maybe another thing is, is you hear this, okay, Christians, and you know, I'm a believer in Christ. I should have a quiet time. Like it almost sounds like discipline, you know, kind of like, you know, a time out, you know, is, is that what I'm supposed to do? You know, and, and so we're confused on what this is to be, and, and we don't know how to go about having this God time in our lives. And, and that's where I trust that today, at the end, we're going to provide you with some practical ways for you to be able to do this. And that's why I told you, have your pen handy, notes handy, because here, just going to give you some really practical things you can start to do this week. J. Oswald Sanders says, we are now and will be in the future only as intimate with God as we choose to be. You can come up with a thousand excuses and blame circumstances or other people, but you and I alone are responsible for ourselves in this way. You are now and will be in the future only as intimate with God as we choose to be. And it is my prayer, it is my passion today and a growing one in my heart that we would all see the importance of getting started this week with God time. God time like we haven't known. Even if you are, have been in the word of God, you're one of those 19 percenters, good for you, but that it would take on a new depth and a new meaning and a new intimacy that you have never had in your life before. This is, all, this is the heart of God for you, for me, for us. That's where transformation happens. And so I encourage you to be looking at this handout that you received as, as we get into this. God time for Jesus and God time for me. We're going to take a look at what it looked like for Jesus and what it can look like for us. First of all, effective God time must be an intentional decision. And second of all, right away, effective God time needs to be a consistent pattern. Notice in verse 35, it says, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. This was an intentional decision that Jesus made to get up. Notice this didn't happen in bed. He got up. And, he, and the whole makeup, even as you read this verse in the original text, it is in the active voice, not in the passive voice, meaning that he got himself up. No one came and, and, and got him up in this way. Uh, this was an intentional decision. When he went to bed that night, it was his plan to get up in the morning while it was still dark. He had a plan at night, before he was going to get up, before he went to sleep to get together with God in the morning. This what took place here on this Sunday morning for him, this day after the Sabbath. It wasn't a one-off thing. It wasn't like, oh, I had a busy day and it's going to be another busy day, so I better, better spend some time alone with God. No, from this passage, and you're going to dig this out in the small groups even this week, you're going to dig into some other passages as well. You're going to see this was a consistent pattern in the life of Christ. 
that daily he would meet with his heavenly father. A day was not complete without his God time. Jesus had a crushing schedule. Sometimes, sometimes do you have a day where it's like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, from, from this and that and run around with this and, and all these different things and, and maybe you have a whole week like that. Yeah, I think Jesus' crushing schedule would have outcrushed yours. Just with the demands and the people and what he was doing. And, and Jesus had a crushing schedule and yet, though the demands on him were huge, it was all the more reason for him to not sleep in, to not have a late breakfast, but to get up before it was even sunlight. While it was still dark, he got up. Intentional decision, a consistent pattern. It was all the more reason because he had a busy day. I know, I know for me, when I've had a busy day, when I've had a lot on the go, it's just like, oh, I need to sleep in. I need to, and, and sleeping in, again, rest isn't a bad thing. And yet it's so vital that, or it's so true, I don't know if it is in your life, that it's on those days that my God time ends up getting cut short or doesn't happen. Why is it the first thing that we cut out of our lives oftentimes when it's the first thing we need to prioritize in our lives? And, and, and one of the huge struggles for me is vacation. It seems you get out of routine and you just kind of get enjoy the R&R lifestyle and, and you get out of your, your routine and and next thing you find out, a few days go by and there isn't the God time that's happening. And I've been convicted of this this week and in a greater way that God wants to spend time with me and I need to and I want to spend time with Him. And it's got to be intentional. It's got to be a consistent pattern. Not because he, he commands it, it's because we need it. We can't do it on our own. And the reason why we stumble and we fall and we're living in areas of addiction and sin and that is, is because we are not spending the time with the Father in the way that we ought to. The connection part comes important later. That's another important aspect of our lives. The gather part that we'll talk about next week is important. But this is primary. This is supreme for having victory in our lives as believers. And I know some of you this morning, I've already have put a burr maybe on your seat and you're getting a little uncomfortable because you're thinking, does this mean it has to be in the morning? Because I'm, I'm not a morning person. And I know I have some family members that love the night owl. Even last night, uh, yeah, well, I won't get into what happened last night with stuck cars and different things and me wanting to go to bed and, and uh, the night owl still... Uh, Night owling, I guess, you know, sort of thing. And, and so does this mean that it has to be in the morning? I'm not a morning person. I just can't function in the morning. I'm, I, I, I just can't do it. I've tried. I can't do it. Well, Jesus did model this, that it was in the morning. I mean, some of you have circled all of the references in Scripture and maybe you've even memorized them about seeking God at night. You know, like, like you're trying to build your case here, you know. And, 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 and so, you know, you're, you're working on that. And, and I wonder how that's going for you. Maybe it's going well. Good, I hope so. Um, now, Jesus did model it in the morning. But, folks, I don't believe this is a legalistic thing that it has to be in the morning. Because if we're going to play it all out, then I also have to get up early in the morning before sunrise, which in the summer, especially when we lived in Alberta, northern Alberta, was very early. And it would also mean even now I'd have to go to a secluded place, which is not hard to get to, up behind our house. But that means that I would be a little terrified of cougars, bobcats, bears, and even deer. You know, get a pack of wild deer chasing you, you know. And, and plus, on days like today, I would be slipping and sliding, trying to get up the hill, trying to get my alone time with God out in a secluded place, go out into the wilderness or out into a place like Jesus. No, we don't take, have to take this literally, but we need to pay attention to it and make it a priority in our lives. And for some of, some of us, I believe it is about getting up in the morning, developing a new discipline, getting on it, just doing it and see how that goes for you. It may be hard. You will need coffee, perhaps. But after a little while, you're going to get up and, and, and as that discipline moves into a desire and say, I, I need to, and a dependency upon God, you grow in your delight that you can't wait to get. He wakes you up in the morning. He says, come on, let's go. Let's get at it. I've got some great stuff for you today in my word as we meet together with you. That's his heart. That's his desire. 
I believe that mourning is important for, for many reasons, though, and, and that's why I think revisit it if, if, if you've already dismissed it. Um, because oftentimes mourning is the time of least distractions. Um, you know what, when the day starts, oftentimes, I don't know if it's like for you, but, but, but oftentimes for me, especially start Tuesday, usually I take Mondays off, but Tuesdays, Wednesdays, uh, when, when you have down east our sending church and, and supportive and loving people, uh, staff members there or elders trying to reach out and it's three hours ahead, the morning can start rather early with texts or emails or different things to, to get the day going. It's amazing how the day gets going rather quickly and when we prioritize and we get up before those distractions and different things happen, it's a great way to prepare. Sometimes, you know, another thing, I don't know if you're, sometimes do you sleep really lousy? You sometimes have a lousy sleep or you have a dream and it just kind of disturbs you and you just kind of like, where did that come from? And this is a way that if we're in the word, we're able to take the, the struggle from the night before, from the dreams, and we're able to, to deal with it through the word of God, by connecting with God. And it's a way we can get ahead of the day by turning and fixing our heart towards God, by hearing from God before we start the day. I remember, though, one, one dear mother, she says, I, I, I couldn't, my kids got up too early. I couldn't get my alone time. And I heard this years ago, and I just love it. She said, so my alone time with God is at 10.30 every morning when Mr. Dressup was on. Remember that show, Mr. Dressup? You know, pretty clean show. It was a little weird kid living in a treehouse with a dog. But anyways, I mean, it's still a good show. You know, and, and she would put on the TV show, have her little nanny working for her, Mr. Dressup, and she would go into the bathroom, lock the door, and that was her alone time with God where she would know the kids were in good hands with Mr. Dressup, and she was able to have that half hour carved out time with God. Carve out, make it a priority. Intentional, make it a consistent pattern in your life. Love this statement. You might want to read it, uh, write it down. It's not good to speak to man before you have spoken with God. It's often just not a good idea to start speaking to man before you've spoken with God. Prepares your heart. Prepares your heart for the day. And then another thing, encourage you to write down here, God time requires a distraction-free environment. Look, Jesus went out to a desolate place. Jesus had to get away from the distractions. Maybe Peter's mother-in-law was already starting breakfast. She was getting the fire going and, and getting the, uh, I was going to say bacon, but no. I uh, was going to get the meat going and, and, and some, some muffins and biscuits or different things like that. Um, you know, maybe there's already people lining up outside the house. And so Jesus, he went off to a desolate place. Aren't there many distractions in our lives today? Isn't it amazing how we get bombarded by the various distractions? Let's face it, our lives are fast-paced, there's a lot going on, and it's so easily get bombarded with distractions. One of the biggest distractions can be our mobile phones, right? TV, Netflix, social media, receiving, sending emails, sending those chain emails. Oh, they're good, or they're funny, or they're cute, or, you know, sharing things on social media. Oh, good, they're cute, they're funny, they're informative. Newspapers or other sources of news can, can be a good thing, but an important, but a distraction. Books, good books can be a distraction. Hobbies or sports or, or, a, um, or a big white, especially after a night like last night with all of that powder. That can be a distraction in life, Right? Or our career, our portfolio, our bottom line, our, 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 our investments. Advertisements can be such a distraction. They appeal to our desire for more, for, for better, for smarter, stronger, faster. Or working too much. In, in the home or outside the home. We can get distracted by various things. And, and distractions aren't all bad. As I said, they can be good things. Daniel Henderson... I wrote this in, in one of his recent books. I encourage you to listen to this. It's very good. The enemy is always launching weapons of mass distraction on our lives. He loves to target us with interferences of every kind. Now listen to this. This is for us. The devil does not have to destroy a Christian. He only has to distract him. The devil doesn't have to destroy us. He just needs to get us distracted. You know what some other distractions are? And some of you may want to plug your ears because you're not going to want to hear this. 
Bible reading plans can be a distraction. Christian books, family devotions, preaching and podcasts, church attendance, small groups, Bible studies. See, these aren't These are good times, but these aren't the God time that we're talking about here. This isn't the God time that Jesus had with his Father. These are really, really good things, so don't get me wrong saying that, oh, Meldon said all these things are bad, we shouldn't do it. But God time is about personal, alone time between you and God, and there's no substitute for this. Bible reading plans, good things, but that's part of your study. That's part of your study plan. Family devotions, good things. That's part of the discipleship plan. Church, great thing. But this, and and it's a way that you can connect with God and connect with one another, but it still doesn't replace that one-on-one time that God of this universe desires to have with you daily. Leads us to our next point. Next, um, and, and it's this. God time is a humble dependency before the Lord. Effective God time is a humble dependency before the Lord. Here we see in verse 35, and it says, and there he prayed. This is where Jesus had this two-way communication with his heavenly Father. This is where he would come, no doubt, tired and weary and say, I can't. Revive me. Strengthen me. And his Father would do so. And this is how we can come in the same way. Or maybe, maybe things are going well. Life is going well, business, money, like it is just going awesome. And we need God time all the more because we're te- we get a tendency to start thinking, I've done this, look at what I've done. And we need to have that God time and have that humble thanksgiving dependency upon the Lord. Oh God, may I not become so big. May I decrease and may you increase in my life. Thank you for your blessings. But so oftentimes we think, hey, life is going good money, the job, all of this, oh, that's all the more time we need to be dependent on the Lord because we're going to start depending on ourselves in no time. Just again, it's the, it's the weapon of mass distraction and oh, how we need to be in the word, how we need to be people who are taking that time for the God time. And as God captures our heart, he equips us for the day so we know what to do, we know what to say, We are taught through time in his word, and we'll get to what this looks like in a few moments. But it's not just learning what to say. It's not just knowing the heart of God. It's also learning how to say it. This is learning the truth. But also, I mean, Jesus spoke the truth, but he also spoke with a heart of grace. And you can speak the truth to someone and just destroy them, but you can also speak the truth with words of grace and kindness and and with conviction and build them up, and encourage, and challenge. And so we see how vital this is, this humble dependency. In John chapter 8, we see, encourage you, just jot down John chapter 8, take and read that chapter this, this week, because even Jesus He's talking about his relationship with his father and he says, I speak only what has been taught to me of my father. He speaks only what has been downloaded to him from his father. That his father, and he just models for us this dependency. Isaiah 50, we have amazing, just, just the prophecies. How many hundreds of prophecies are there about the life of Christ in the word of God? Hundreds of them. You know another thing that was prophesied? about the life of Christ, his devotional life. We see a picture of this God time in the book of Isaiah. Take a look at this verse here. You guys have that? You can disable it. There we go. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens me. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. That wasn't just Isaiah writing that. That was a prophecy about the life of Christ and the dependency that he would have from his father. That the Lord gives him his tongue to be able to speak and to be able to teach and how to have sustaining and life-building words to those who are weary. Do you want your words to pack a punch? 
comes through God time. Grace and truth and truth and grace. And as we start that day with the Father and find that he readies us to be able to speak his truth, his word. And also God time results in relationship and allows God's power and direction for our lives. As God captures our hearts, we are equipped through the day for the day. We learn his heart and how to speak and how, what to say and what not to say. Look at it in verse 36 as this passage continues. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for it is why I came. And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So Simon Peter comes to him. He's like, Where were you? We've been looking for you. We went up to to your room, and you weren't there. The crowd, everyone... The news is spread. Come on, we've got a full day. Breakfast is being served, and then we've got some work to do. Come on, let's get going. And, and, and Jesus, spending this time with his father, says no. I mean, it would have made Jesus going into that time with his heavenly father, it would have seemed, yeah, it would seem right to stay there in Capernaum. I mean, it may, it's total logic. It makes sense for him to stay there. And then when he even says about let, let us go to the next towns, what he's referring to there are these villages, these towns without walls. The hick towns. Smallville. Like a dump, kind of. You know some of those areas? Kamloops? No, just kidding. Uh, you know, I mean, j- just where that may be for you, you get a picture in your mind, you know, and I'm um, sorry if you have roots to there. Just sorry, you shouldn't have said that. Um, I didn't have enough God time this morning. And um, this made no sense. I mean, stay in Capernaum. The news is spreading. People will come. I mean, the big mo is happening. You know, like, this is, this is why you came, Jesus. And now that people are going to come, we can set up headquarters. You know, we can rent an office near Simon Peter's house there and get mother-in-law. She's feeling really good. She can start cooking. You know, she can get this going and, and we can get this going here. And logic says, stay there, stay put. But Jesus spending time with the Father says, no, it's time to move on. Jesus, through his God time, receives direction and is empowered to withstand the pressures of well-meaning people. And we see that oftentimes people would come and want to set his agenda. And his agenda would come daily as he would be in his time with his father. See, loved ones, you've got to understand this, that Christianity is supremely about, it's not a religion. It's not coming to church on Sunday. It's a simple call to an intimate, a real relationship with the living God. And all that he called, what he desires for us is for us to be nurtured by him. But like all relationships, they've got to take time and we've got to have that consistent, diligent desire to spend time with him. You know what's really has been hitting me hard since the beginning of 2017? And it's my primary hope in my life in a new way for each one of you, for my family, and, and for this city, for believers in this city, but specifically for us sitting here today, my prim- primary hope and dream and desire is not to fill this worship theater with people. My pr- primary desire is, is not for everyone to be connecting in small groups and for everyone to be serving and finding their place of ministry service. It's my primary desire isn't to see you getting out there and sharing and bringing in the lost and getting them saved. That's not the primary thing. The prayer, my heart for myself and for each one of you is that we would take this God time seriously. That we would take time with the living God, the giving of ourselves to him and the receiving of his instructions and his power through a dependent relationship on him through the day and through the week, in the word and in prayer, that this would happen on a daily basis for each one of us. And it's a beautiful life that flows out of this. 
You see, Christianity is not about churches trying to become mega churches, although that's what you start to think that, that it can easily become, you know, or following some dynamic pastor or having all kinds of programming and events and buildings. It's about millions upon millions of people waking up, spending time, carving out that time to be alone with the God of this universe who is not reluctant to receive us in this way, where he can give us instructions, where we understand and grow in what his heart is all about and receive his power and going out and living it. That's where all the other stuff comes, come, flows out of. But it starts with this God time. There's no supplement for this. There's no supplement for, for these kind of, kind of things. Um, just what would it look like here in Canada here in this city, if 81% of Christians, people who call themselves followers of Christ, joined the 19%, and the 19%, maybe some of those are just doing it out of ritual and check mark and say, yeah, or else they lied and, and, and said, yeah, I, I read the Bible because that's what I'm supposed to do, and then they confess it, maybe. Um, what if 100% of us said, hey, I'm going to carve out this alone time, this God time, every day. I'm going to do this for the next seven days what would start happening in our lives, in our families, in our relationships, in our workplace? What kind of conversations would we have? What kind of encounters would we have with the Lord? There's no substitute for it, for this individual alone time with God. I'm going to close by giving you just some practical things here for each one of us that we can pay attention to. First of all, um, just want to make it practical, and some of you may already have some, uh, ha have a good pattern going, good, giddy up, maybe you can learn from this, keep it going. Um, in, the, in the lobby at the info table after the service, there's going to be a God time booklet that you can buy. I think they're, they're, they're $3 for one. We're just, getting, just covering our costs with this. We're not making any money or two for five. So if you're really cheap, go up with someone who says, here, I'll buy you one. Yeah, however you want to do it. Just, just, just a great overview for starting this God time, a great little booklet, a resource that was put together by one of the pastors from Harvest Oakville that, that uh, you can take advantage of, encourage you to do that. Here's some simple things just you can, can, can fill in the blanks here on, on your handout sheet you were giving. First of all, have a plan. Set a time. If, if, if you fail to plan, you're going to plan to fail, right? Just that simple. Have a plan. Find a place. Bed is usually not the, bed is not the best place for this. Get up. Find that comfy chair, but make sure it's not too comfy, that you'll fall asleep. Find it in a place, have distractions limited, even if there's dirty stuff all around, or you, oh, it needs to be dusted. Leave the dust, you know, whatever it might be. For me, it's sitting at the dining room table. Uh, find that place uh, where you are able to have that, that time alone away from distractions. Um, also, um, grab a pen and paper. Be prepared. So, so that um, you can journal, you can write things down, or even have a little piece of paper for the to-do list things that will no doubt be one of those distractions that's going to cause you to, to be distracted. You just write it down, just, oh yeah, there's that, and now back to my God time. You know? And um, so, so have a pen and paper so you can write things down. You may want to journal, write out some scriptures, um, whatever it is that, that as you do that, write down what the Lord is saying to you on that day. Another thing is prepare your heart. Give, give this time to the Lord. Um, putting your eyes and, and you're asking him for your eyes to be able to see his truth and your ears ready to respond. Spend time thanking him and praising him and, and, um, and, and, and maybe you want to listen to some worship music and, and uh, all of our worship songs are, are, you can find them, the songs we sing Sunday after Sunday, you can find them, there's YouTube links to that or find some worship songs that can direct your heart towards the Lord. Um, maybe a devotional book. I'm currently using one by, by A.W. Tozer and it's just a short little blurb like takes about 45 seconds to read but there's a scripture passage there and oftentimes that just starts directing my heart to time with God. And, um, and then also take the word of God. Be reading through a book. This isn't the best time for a Bible reading plan. Maybe you're just going to slowly work through a book um, like the Gospel of John or, or another New Testament book, um, sometimes for this, or a Psalm or a Proverbs or, or different things like that. You may want to take the Bible reading plan from the 28-day challenge we've given you and, and just spend some time not rushing through the Word, but allowing the Word to, to rush through your body and to do a work in and through you by asking these simple questions that are there. Um, and here are some of the ways 
ways we can absorb God's word into our lives, and, and, and I trust this is helpful. Um, and, and so pick a passage or have kind of a plan even as you go into that, and, and you can ask the question, what does this passage teach me about God? Is there a promise to believe or to hold on to as you're reading that? Is there a command or a teaching I need to obey and apply? Is there a sin I need to confess? Is there a verse or a thought I can write down that can carry me through the day? That's when the prayer without ceasing, that is you keep coming back and you remember those verses. How many times do you check Facebook in a day? How many times do you check your email? How many times do you check the weather network? You know, I mean, in the same way, why not keep checking back to the word of God and what you've been reading? Write it down, have it handy, have it on your phone, use your phone in a good way to be, oh yeah, there, there's a powerful verse and, and allow your mind to, to focus on that throughout the day. There's so many different ways. Get creative when it comes to absorbing God's word into your life and then spend time bringing your request before God. See, it's not, a, it's not like, okay, God, here I am. Here's my list of requests. Hurry in, get out. No, it, it, it's preparing your heart. It's doing this. And then, Present your request to him. Pray for others and, and, and that. And as you do this, watch out what God does. Ask him to ignite a passion for him in a new way in your heart that morning or whenever you do that and throughout the day. And then next of all, have patience. Don't rush this. Make sure you carve out enough time. This isn't a race. It's not just about getting through the word, but allowing the word to get through you. Let him capture your heart. Do you have any idea what God could do and can do if you and I were to get together on this and decide I am going to take for the next seven days even this carve out this time to spend time alone with the word of God? Start, as you saw in the video, start with small steps. 15 minutes a day. You know what you're going to find? 15 minutes isn't long enough. Next thing you're going to, wow, 30 minutes went by. As you're in the Word, as, you're, as you have this God time. But start small. You don't go into a gym and, you know, after not working out ever or working out for a long time, you know, or working out marginally, it's like, oh, there's 500 pounds. I think I can deadlift this, you know. And, and it, no, don't start with 500. Maybe start with 50. Maybe some of you 15. Just do the bar. You know, that might be a good start. You know, start small. You don't want to bite off more than you can chew in this and get discouraged or get uh, just, just frustrated in that way. Do it for the next seven days, including Sunday morning. You know what would happen? See, sometimes I think we think, hey, I'm going to church Sunday morning. I don't need to have God time. Yeah, you do. Do it Sunday morning still. Have your heart ready, prepared. You know what this place would look like on a Sunday morning if our hearts have already been, been focusing on the Lord, we've been worshiping Him, we've been praising Him in our quiet time, we've been hearing from His Word. I mean, we're just like, we're going. Let's go. Come on. Let's get at it. Our worship, even next Sunday, no, because you've already carved time and God's been replenishing and giving you his strength and his power to do a new and a fresh work in our lives. I hope you're in. If you are, watch out what God will do. If you're out, I'll pray for you. I'm not going to quit encouraging you. I love you too much and I want you to have as much from God as he desires to have for you and for your life. Let's stand sing this as a prayer. This is a prayer to God and I trust it would represent your heart and our heart here today.